It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shakiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. All right, football fans, welcome into another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. I am your host, Tyler Terrence. Joining me, as always, you guys know the drill by now, chairman of the non-existent board, Mr. Emmett McConnell, is going to help me dissect, digest, and just mourn uh, the loss that the fire suffered at the hands of Charlotte FC following their 4-1 drubbing of Inter-Miami. And now it all comes down to this. Decision Day 2023, very similar to what we saw in 2020. It will be the Chicago Fire traveling to NYCFC to decide their playoff fate for this season. And it comes down to the final game of the year. And really, I'm looking at it two different ways. If you're Major League Soccer headquarters, you're absolutely in love with what's going on at the moment, right? You've got Rebels, Fire, Charlotte, NYC to a certain extent, but not as much as, as the Fire, as well as Montreal, who are all fighting for two spots. And the fire coming off of the inner Miami game. And the second part of it is how all of you are feeling. Um, if you are indeed Chicago fire fans, and if you're not a fire fan who's listening to the podcast, welcome. But this is predominantly going to be a Chicago fire flavor here, um, as I'm sure you've picked up on throughout the course of the season. But anyway, here we are heading into match day, match 34, match day 39 or whatever it's called at this point. And the fire have had a number of opportunities this year none more recent than what we saw against the crown that is charlotte fc on saturday at soldier field coming off of the biggest crowd in chicago fire history more than sixty thousand at soldier field on wednesday you beat inner miami and then you had a chance to lock up a playoff spot but even with some help which they didn't end up getting And lo and behold, Montreal are now all of a sudden, you know, a goal-scoring machine that put up four against Portland. But they had a chance to lock up a home wild-card playoff game. Now, I get it. It's the wild-card game. You sneak in as the eighth seed in a a 19 field. You don't feel glowingly proud of yourself, but it is a home playoff game, Evan. Let's not, let's call a spade a spade, and let's not turn our noses up at it. It's important postseason soccer along the lakefront, sign me up. All you needed to do was not lay an egg. And Emmett, what did they do? They laid an egg. And this is consistent. And I'm not singling out the fire here. It's not what I'm trying to do. This is consistent with every other Eastern Conference team that is fighting for this spot are fighting for these two spots. We beat Miami 4-1 at home. We lose to Charlotte. Montreal can't score a goal for seven games and then all of a sudden put up four at home against, against Portland. Red Bulls couldn't score to save their life and dreadful nil-nil draw against NYCFC just a few weeks ago. And then what, they put up five against DC and beat a Christian Benteke hat-trick? Charlotte have been dreadful. Put up a win against Toronto and a win against Chicago, right back into the conversation. 
NYCFC, do I need to go into any more detail? The theme of this story is two-faced Major League Soccer sides battling for two spots. And to be quite honest, nobody deserves it. And to be even more honest, who cares? As we've talked about, what you deserve in this game is rarely what you get. And this is what the playoff format was intended for. Absolute chaos heading into decision day. And teams who theoretically should should have been eliminated weeks ago. That includes the Fire. That includes Charlotte. That includes Red Bulls. Because if you're looking at the top seven teams, and this is a normal season, all these teams would have been eliminated last week. Or even a week before that, given some of the results. And if you're the fire, you're kicking yourselves again. Because all you needed was the energy and the spirit. And, and I'm not even talking about the quality that you saw against Inner Miami. I'm talking about the tangibles and, and the and the and the things that are in your control. Energy, passion, pressing, moving off the ball, and just a, a willingness to compete. Now, I'm not saying these guys aren't going out there and not trying. That's not what I'm saying, because you'd be hard-pressed to find any guy who's going to take the field throughout the course of a 34-game season on any team that's not going that that isn't trying. It's not what I'm saying. But there are some days where it looks more intense and it looks more like a fight than others. You go back and watch the Miami game and then watch the Charlotte game and tell me that there's not a, a colossal difference between those two Chicago Fire teams who took the field. I'm not going to call it a lack of heart because I don't think that that's what it is. I think that everybody on that field desperately wants to make the postseason and put an end to this five-year drought. But my goodness. At home, against a, against a team like Charlotte, who has been pedestrian, and not to say that the Chicago Fire haven't for, for large stretches. And it's been less than pedestrian sometimes. But that's where all of these teams are. And I know that this is the third game in a week. I'm not taking anything away from that. And yes, it is going to look, look a little bit more sluggish. And let's also call another spade a spade. Ashley Westwood scored the goal of the week. Could Wyatt Omsberg have done a little bit better with the clearance? Sure. But there are two central midfielders, I believe it was Doombie and somebody else, and I think Gaston or maybe Guti, who could have stepped to the ball just a little bit more and made sure that Westwood tried to take it down instead of just closing his eyes and hoping that it was going to find top bins. And lo and behold, the former Premier League striker pulls one out of his hat, and you're down 1-0. Tip your cap where it's due. You don't see many strikes like that throughout the course of a season, or maybe this year, because all Major League Soccer this year has been producing his bangers. And then the Miguel Navarro penalty, I don't know even I, I don't know what to call that. He will be kicking himself and having nightmares, Miguel Navarro. 
He's one of the most competitive guys on the team, one of the most fiery guys on the team. And he made an awful, awful, awful mistake. But this is all to say that it was a mistake that even if he didn't commit that foul and it stayed 1-0, sure, you might never know what's going to happen. You, you might never know. But 11 shots, three of them on target, and you conceded 55% possession at home? Pass accuracy was below, 74, below 75%. And the same magic and the same stuff that we saw against Miami just wasn't there. And newsflash, the lineup wasn't all that different. And I know some of you are going to be saying there, like, hey, maybe that's the problem. You know something? Every team is banged up. Every team is playing multiple games in the week right now. We're in the middle of an international break. I get it. But, like, come on. This was in their control in a season where it should not have been. And maybe that... Maybe that narrative needs to go away with this new playoff format of it. Maybe the it should have been in their control, like you know they may they they didn't deserve it, whatever. Because now nine teams getting in, all bets are off, and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas like don't even exist. We need to reinvent exactly what those are in this brave new world that includes more than half, well, like well over half of the conference in the postseason. And you're going to have all teams, but what, two that are mathematically alive heading into the final day of the season on October 21st? It's insanity, but it's reality. And the reality was that the Fire had a chance to lock up a postseason spot against a, against a mediocre team. And they did not. And again, I'm not singling the fire out when it comes to the, using the word mediocrity. And I know that has such a negative connotation. And the last thing I want to do is call this club mediocre right now. But if you look at their stats and you look at where they are in the table, averaging barely 1.2 points per game, scoring 39 goals this season, it's difficult to come up with another word. But if you got yourself into the wild card game and you still can and you win one, who knows? And everyone forgets what happened in the regular season. This group wasn't winning Supporter Shield. Everybody knew that. So if you're not going to win Supporter Shield, Emmett, there I say, what's the point of the regular season? I know that if you're Orlando City, you locked up the number two spot in Supporter Shield and you're going to CONCACAF Champions Cup. And sure, there are carrots dangling at the end of that 34-game road, but like, Yes, regular season is important. Being the best team over the largest sample size is important. But if you're not going to be one of those teams, and I think we all, I think we all knew that the Fire weren't going to be a top three team in the Eastern Conference this year. Okay, great. Find a way to get into the postseason. Now it comes down to the final day. Now it comes down to NYCFC, a team that also should not be in this position to potentially get into the postseason. And now you need help. 
So let's look at the scenarios. Fire on 40 points tied with Rebels. DC are eliminated. They don't have another game left. And that's because the Fire are playing NYCFC. So either way, somebody's going to jump DC. Good luck to Wayne Rooney and Birmingham City. We'll get there in a second. So Charlotte are going to play Inter-Miami on the road. They have two games left. They're going to play Inter-Miami again on decision day. Inter-Miami have been eliminated. If you're a Fire fan, you're the biggest Tata Martino and Inter-Miami fan you've ever been in your life. And you're praying to God that Messi's actually going to play in those games. Will he? I can't imagine he will. Who knows, though? Competitive guy. Emmett, what are we putting? What, what does Vegas have it at Lionel Messi getting on the field in these final two games of the season? Are you actually going to look it up? Do you think? Do you think that these odds are? Oh, you, you, oh you were asking if I, that I was Vegas in this situation. Yeah, I was like about I, to look I it up. I was like, oh find, my! I, I don't think do you that. can find odds on this. Uh, I think there will be odds on that. Uh, I would put it very high to play. I'd put it like at minus money. Wow. I think he plays in that game. He came on for thirty minutes against. Uh, yeah, but they were still alive, theoretically. Yeah, but thirty minutes. You don't. You don't play him unless he can play. I know. I'm not could... saying. I'm not saying it's whether or not can he play, but I'm saying, do you risk it? I mean, the start of 2024 in Champions League is like four months away. Do you think he's going to tear his MCL? He might. I don't know. The crazier things have happened. I guess so. I, I think he plays because the good people of Miami and Charlotte have paid money to see Messi, and that's kind of how a lot of yeah, people are approaching this. Both know you and I both know that's not how this works. No, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't work that way. But Messi, like you said, it he's competitive. He if, if he he wants to play at any at any opportunity. Miami needs dogs. He's going to play. He wants to play. And if he asks to play, do you think Tata says no? Messi. Oh, Lionel, you might tear your MCL. We need you in four months. I don't think so. He he might not run a lot. He might cover half a mile over the course of 90 minutes. Hey. But he's going to play and he's going to score. Oh, better than that, he will score. Or assist. He might not score, but he will assist. He's going to get a goal involvement, right? I think he comes off the bench, though. And I, I, and and the other thing too that we have to keep in mind here is that the teams who don't have nothing to play for are typically more dangerous than the ones who have everything to play for. Charlotte have everything to play for. And Charlotte's hand Charlotte's destiny is in their own hands. Two wins and you're in. Four points and you're in. Maybe even three. Montreal going to be at Columbus. I'll be on the call for that game for MLS season pass. Columbus are fighting for position. They can jump Philadelphia into third place. They can slip into fifth and not host two out of the three. Emmett's scoffing at my comment that there's a possibility that Columbus could jump Philadelphia. If there's a possibility, there's just no probability. Why, why even mention it? Why mention it? Because it's, uh, it's, it's, rele- it's relevant to the good people of the Chicago Fire supporters who 
are wondering what exactly are the crew playing for while they're taking on Montreal, who they need to drop points. Very well. I think everyone's playing for something. Toronto, Even look at Miami. Toronto and Miami are not playing for anything. Think nor, about this. Look at it this way. Colorado, nor is Austin, nor the Galaxy. Here, here's one perspective, all right? You're playing for jobs next year, playing for You're contracts. playing for your job. If you're in, if you're on one of those teams, you're gonna get an overhaul. Yeah, be a be a professional. I mean, I agree with you. Like you should. If you're go Robert after- Taylor, you might lose your job to the to Luis Suarez next year. <laughs> if you're if you're Leo Campana, you might lose your job next year. Luka Modric might come in, and Benjamin Kramaski might not play. Like, yeah, you got to be a professional. All, and you got to play. All, Robert Robert Taylor ain't losing his job. If there's anybody outside no. of the big names that has cemented his position on that roster, it's Robert Taylor. But he might not start. He might he might get a job, but he might no, not he be first name. He shouldn't start if, if Miami are going to bring in the names that we think they're going to bring in. And that's the thing is I think if you're uh, a B kind of tier name on that Miami list, right? You're not Messi or Busquets or Alba. Uh, probably throw Kamal Milliard and uh, DeAndre Yedlin in there. Drake Callender. How dare not- you throw the, ML- the 2022 MLS commissioner pick all-star Kamal Miller as a B as a B? No, no, no. I put him on the A, a name. If you're not Kamal Miller, DeAndre Yedlin, Sergio Busquets, right? If you're not one of those guys, you're playing for your job. And I'm including Joseph Martinez and Leo Campana. So I think I think everyone's got something to play for. And MLS history has shown us that teams with nothing to play for, like last year, Houston, have yeah. knocked playoff teams out. Two years in a row, I think Houston knocked the Galaxy out over the past three years with nothing to play for. Don't count it. Don't, I, I would not use that as a reason to expect a team to, uh, to not show up. I'm with you. You know who literally has nothing to play for is Nashville, which is not good for the fire because Rebels are playing Nashville. Nashville are into the postseason, and they cannot move from where they are right now. But even in their case, they're playing for form. I, that stop. You're not throwing the towel in. You want you want to start. You're not going. If if you have guys who have niggles, you are not going to play. You are not going to risk them. Right, but everybody else. Yeah, if you got a guy who can rest, you can rest. Okay. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm a firm. I've noticed from my time watching and covering MLS that. They'll play crazy. more times than not. Agree. You know who didn't play was uh, Monterey in that third place game against Philly. You guys are lucky to get off in that one because they played. They played children. No, we're talking MLS right now. We're talking about <laughs> MLS. <laughs> we're, we're not talking League's Cup. Do you think you guys would have won that game if they played their first team and had something to play for? You know what I always hate is every person in the position that I'm in right now says, "Who cares?" If we're not talking about if this is, you know, Tony always does this. Oh, we're not talking about hypotheticals. Get the hypotheticals out of your head. You can't think about those things. No, we would not have won that game because I love <laughs> hypotheticals. Like I, I can't be a hypocrite and be like, oh, who cares? No, no, that the union were run down and they got lucky that they put out a bunch of Agreed. 17 year olds. Agreed. So I'm, glad, I'm glad you can be a big enough man to, to speak your truth, to speak the truth. Well, like I, like, what's the point of going out and lying? What's the point of going out and, like, just making up stuff? Oh, you know what? Like, I'm not going to answer that because I don't like the question and hypotheticals. Uh, so you're not a big fan of politicians? No. Got it. I, don't think, I, think, I, think, I think most people say Understood. that. Understood. I think, I think I'm pretty middle of the road with that one. The other one, I don't know so much. So All I, right. I, I think don't sleep on any game. It's decision day, baby. All right, Emmett, give me, all right, so give me let's let's run through these games and tell me what you think is going to happen, which is ridiculous in Major League Soccer to begin with, let alone decision day. 
So let's start with the Nashville Red Bulls game. Give me your result. It's in Nashville. 1-1. One, one. Okay. So point would be fine if the fire were to get a win. Because you want to just think best case scenario. All right. What do you think? What do you think? Don't don't leave me hanging. It's not just me yeah. guessing. Vegas McConnell. Sounds, sounds about right. Nil-nil or 1-1. One, one. I think a draw is fair. Columbus and Montreal. 4-2 uh, Columbus. <laughs> sounds right. Sounds spot on. Give me six goals. Inject that into my veins. Those teams like to attack. Okay. And then Charlotte, Miami. Both games. The first Charlotte, Miami is going to be 2-1 Miami. The second game is going to be uh, 4-0 Charlotte. Wow. Miami, you're going to roll them. Everyone's going to the place is going to be hyped. They're going to score two. The both goals are going to be in the 90th minute. It's going to be not like classic Messi uh, League's yeah. Cup level. He might not even be on the field for it, but they're going to score two goals late. And then Charlotte's going to bounce back because they always seem to do that when you don't expect it. Okay. Like so that would put Charlotte, that would put Charlotte on 42 points, which means if Charlotte were to have gotten that win, Montreal would stay on 41. Now here's the big one. What do the fire do? I see two scenarios here. New York City win. One nothing, or Chicago win three two. That's I mean, the toughest one. I think this is the fire, toughest the one fire, of all. You of them. have the fire putting in. I need the names of the goal scorers. If you're going to say that the fire is scoring three goals, uh, you're going to you're going to score in the fourth minute from a corner kick from Rafa Shihos. Wow. Okay. You're going to get a uh, Shakiri uh, PK in the 10th minute. And, and then you're going to get a Casper Shabilko tap in in the uh, 85th minute on a counterattack when New York City stretches. Going to go up 2 nothing. New York City going to claw back and get two back. And then they're going to open up and Chicago's going to score at the end. That's Drama. a good guess. I'm just Jordan. saying. It's decision day, baby. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a one. I think... I think it's a one-nil win for someone. I don't know who. Do not know who. Like New York City wins one nothing. If there's, there's going to be me knowing New York City, they're going to get a bogus call. Someone's going to dive in the box, and they're going <laughs> to get a ninetieth so minute penalty. You're so bitter. I'm not biased when it comes to Philly. I am absolutely biased when it comes to New York City. <laughs> when it comes to your biggest rival, you're biased. Which is like, and we're not even their biggest rival, which is the worst part. They're like, who are you again? <laughs> No, but you are their biggest rival. It's not Rebels. Only in the playoffs. Yeah, but the playoffs are the only thing that matters. Like, just because they, they're technically both New York teams and they call it Hudson River Darby, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make, I, I want to call it something else. No, River. it's such a good name. It is a good name, but, like, they're both New York teams. What happens when Rebels gets their own facility in Yonkers and they play, they play their games and you can't call it the Hudson River Darby anymore? There's got to be a river that separates them still, right? <laughs> Just want to name that. You know about the... Listen, MLS has the greatest rivalry names in all of soccer. Maybe all of sports. Whoa. And Hudson River Derby's in there. El Capitan, Copa Tejas, Rocky Mountain Cup. El Trafico. El Trafico. Everyone's got to have an El Clasico, Del Clasiker. Some of them are a little bit... Hell is real. Hell is real. That's so good. 
Some of them are a little bit like, you know, the Florida Derby, Sunshine State. All right, it's like okay. There's some really good ones. El No Taxico, El No State Taxico. That's what I wanted to call Inter Miami and uh, and Orlando. No, no Taxico. No El No State Taxico. No State. El No Income Taxico. <laughs> like it, it becomes too wordy at a certain point, Tyler. You gotta you gotta pare it down. <laughs> I know. I know. I need to be more concise in the way that I come up with my rivalry names. All right. So that's that's the fires path, and obviously this isn't going to the full picture will not be rendered out in terms of what they need until Charlotte play their Wednesday game against Miami. And that first one is going to be in Miami on October 18th. So flick on MLS season pass, kick back and root for Miami. That's what they need. And then you'll be able to figure out exactly what the fire are going to need. You can't have Red Bulls win. That will spell trouble because that will automatically take up a spot. And I'll tell you why. Even if the Fire won and Red Bulls won, they'd both be on 11 wins, which is the initial tiebreaker, and they'd both be on 43 points. Goal differential, Red Bulls have the edge by seven right now. So, like, realistically, you're not looking at a situation in which the Fire can catch them in goal difference. So, Rebels would take up the spot. Then you would need a flat-out loss or draw from Montreal if Rebels were to win. Forget about Charlotte for a second. You need Montreal to drop as many points as possible. If you win, you're fine as long as they draw or loss or or take a loss. So again, this will become much more clear after the October 18th game on Wednesday, Inter-Miami and Charlotte. But for right now, the fire, all that they can do is just win their game and hope that the same level of parity that has existed within the Eastern Conference, particularly in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 spots, ensues, Right. Montreal, after winning 4-1 against Portland, go lay an egg against the Columbus crew. Charlotte, after winning a couple of games, get blown out by Miami in two games. That's what you're hoping for. Other news. Talked about it. Orlando City clinched second place in the Supporters' Shield. Oscar Pereja and company did an excellent job this year. Duncan McGuire continues to score. Cartagena and Araujo, probably the two most underrated midfielders in the league, dare I say. Western Conference, LAFC, back on their Emmett. Here you go. Make your money. LAFC are back on their bull. Danny Buanga is going to win the golden boot. I believe, here's my prediction, Emmett. LAFC and the Columbus crew in MLS Cup. I think that Wilfred Nazi ball is real. I think that they are the most fun team. I think that they will break you down. They're going to give up three goals, but they'll share as heck fire, score four or five. Or maybe I just want to see them in MLS Cup because I am I want to watch the world burn and I want seven goals in each game that they play in. That's probably it. LAFC are, are officially back. And they're only five points off of St. Louis right now and in, in for first place in the Western Conference. Now, I know that doesn't really mean anything because St. Louis locked up first place two weeks ago. But nevertheless... Uh, end of the year season awards. We did this on counterattack on Sirius XM the other day, Emmett. Um, I'll give you some of my headliners. MVP is obviously Lucho Acosta. I don't really think it's close. Danny Sartini actually said that Roman Berkey would be second in his voting. He's just my goalkeeper of the year. Newcomer of the year, Edward Leuven. 
of St. Louis, probably the best two-way midfielder in Major League Soccer if you haven't watched him play this year. I highly suggest you do so. Coach of the year. Not Pat Noonan, but Bradley Carnell. I think what Bradley Carnell has done with that team in an expansion season is more impressive than what Pat Noonan did this year. Had Pat Noonan won Supporters' Shield in his first year coming off of Wooden Spoon, name the Coach of the Year award after him. But you knew that FC Cincinnati were going to be Eastern Conference powerhouse this year. You knew it. Everybody thought that St. Louis was going to be absolute trash. Speaking of, when everyone predicts St. Louis isn't going to win MLS Cup or even be the Western Conference finalist in MLS Cup, do you think yeah. they're going to put that up in the locker room? Because people are picking, you know, you picked LAFC. You think that's going up in the locker room? No. First of all, nobody cares what I have to say. Second of all, um, the playoff playoff slander, I feel like, is not nearly as as egregious or as um, it doesn't sting as much as as preseason. Especially when you when I don't think that anybody had them above 13th place. Newsflash, there's only 14 teams in the Western Conference. They were either picked second to last or last. A lot of people picked them to win Wooden Spoon. And everybody told Bradley Carnell to stay away from that job like it it was the plague. He was like, give me the job that everybody else doesn't want. But no, I don't think that my opinion will be pinned up in the St. Louis. If it is, I'd be flattered. Honestly, like it would make my year. And I hope I hope that they that they I hope that they get to a Western Conference final. I didn't say that they weren't gonna if they got to a Western Conference final and they lost LAFC in penalties, that is a great season for St. Louis City. A great season. Get to CONCACAF Champions Cup, Western Conference final, first place in the Western Conference, first ever expansion team to win a regular season conference title. LAFC St. Louis City in 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 Western Conference final, just so Emmett knows where I stand. That's probably going to be LAFC in Seattle. Is Houston going to make another run in a in an elimination format? That's the real question. Ben Olsen ball prevail. RSL are dangerous. They're one of the best road teams in the Western Conference or in Major League Soccer, I should say. International break coming up. Two big games for the U.S. Germany and Ghana. Germany game is Saturday at three o'clock from the Rent Rentschler. In Connecticut, important games. Need to see where this team stacks up against two World Cup sides. I mean, basically every country is a World Cup side moving forward, but you understand what I'm saying. Not Oman and Uzbekistan, though. No. No. But heck, that's who we're going to play. Granted, we didn't really have any of their options. I I don't want to blame the Federation for that, but let's do better. Did I miss anything, Emmett? Any other big headlines you want to cover here? Spurs being in first place in the Premier League. Spurs. Your Spurs? Your Liverpool? My uh, Liverpool. You know, the, the one thing that's been bugging me for a while is we've been talking about his coach of the year, and I think you've been nailing the, nailing the head with Bradley Carnell. But you know what always been kind of bugging me is every defense can be, well, what else do they have to do? Right? For, you know, Ben Olsen takes Houston Dynamo for wooden spoon contender into a powerhouse that wins the Open Cup. What else does he have to do? No, but it's for Pat- performance in league play. It's not for cup. It's not for cup. No, 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 I know. I know, but Houston's been great in the league too. I'm not sure. I was just trying to, you know, put a cherry on top of Got what it. he's done there. What else should Pat Noonan have to do? Right. What else should Pat Noonan have to? He just won the supporter shield. He's have to. He break the points record. Maybe he would have gotten it. 
Um, I just don't like constantly giving it. Like, if we're going to say that the coach of the best team in the league should win coach of the year and the best player on the best team should win MVP, then, like, just give all the awards to FC Cincinnati then. What are we doing this for? That's what usually what happens is what people expect. Yeah. They had the best things, but they, it's not really always how it works out. So, anyway, it's just always interesting to me where, you know, people say, well, look at what has been done in Orlando with Oscar Pereja. And it becomes such an interesting discussion because although Bradley Carnell should win, I don't think it's ever a discussion that should be then thrown out the window because what Oscar, it, you know, what Oscar Pereira has done in Orlando deserves consideration. Should I agree. Win. Consideration for sure. I think the four coaches who are in consideration are Pat Noonan, Oscar Pereja, Ben Olsen, and Bradley Carnell. Vanny Sartini. Like I, I do think that there's a certain, no, no. I like what he's done there. I like what he's done too. He shouldn't be in consideration for coach of the year. I think that there's some sort of top five category where I would be happy being like, let's recognize all five for what they've done. Maybe not a trophy. You're not t- talking about participation. Participation trophies. trophy. Emmett is a huge participation trophy guy. I just don't really care about participation. Tro- but you get what I mean. Like there's been some tremendous stuff done from people who've done things that we haven't expected. Those San, San Jose. Jose. Those San Jose in there is exactly what I was going to say. Lucha Gonzalez, wooden spoon contenders. I know they're only eighth, um, and they could possibly not make the playoffs. Then, then, then it doesn't. Then it's not impressive. But I understand what you're saying. It's still, but they've done has been impressive. So anyway, I, I, in my mind, I think it's um, it gets breezed over as oh, it's you know easy. Lucho Costa for MVP. I'm fine with that. But for Coach of the Year, I think it's a little bit more deep. And I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. That what more do they have to do? I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, what more do we have to do? Nothing. End of the episode, baby. Enjoy the international break. Enjoy the U.S. men's national team games against Germany and Ghana coming up over the weekend. And we will talk to you next week. We'll do a little recap of what the Stars and Stripes were able to pull off or not pull off against Ghana and Germany. And then we will preview the NYCFC game. But until then, have a fantastic week. Enjoy your weekend. And we will talk to you soon. Vamos fire. Vamos fire.